The following podcast contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad Are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, July 2nd, the Goes Right Through Him edition. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to three littles, Henry 8, Oliver 6, and Teddy 3, and I'm located in Navarre, Florida. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who is seven, and we live in Los Angeles, California. Hi, I'm Dan Coitz. I'm a writer at Slate. I'm the author of the book, How to Be a Family. I'm dad of Lyra, who's 15, and Harper, who's 12. And I'm in the basement, as always, in Arlington, Virginia. Today on the show, we have a very silly question about a little one who thinks he needs to pee immediately after drinking water. We'll also be answering a question about how to best support a teen who recently came out as trans. We'll be joined by Slate's Evan Urquhart to help us with that discussion. And as always, we have triumphs and fails and recommendations. Dan, do you have a triumph or a fail for us this week? I've got a big fucking fail. Yay! Let's hear it. All right, so last night at dinner time, I had made dinner last night. I made steaks and corn on the cob, and I made a veggie burger for Harper, who's a vegetarian. And I called everyone to the table, and Harper is already sitting at the table, but she's on a laptop playing, like, some Roblox game. And I'm like, Harper, it's time for dinner. And she goes, oh, I... I just have a few minutes left in this game. I just have to finish the game. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm setting the table, Harper, and then I'm putting the food on the table. And when we sit down to eat, you're going to need to get off the computer. And she's like, no, daddy, it's the middle of the game, uh, but I'll be off soon. And I go and get the food and I put it on the table and I'm like, Harper, it's time to get off the computer. It is dinner time. And Lyra, who's sitting there, of course, is helpful. She's like, ah, let her finish the game. What's the harm? You can't penalize all the other people in this game just because you made dinner. And so here I'm stuck with this dilemma. And it's a a very annoying dilemma to be stuck in. So I have two options. One is like the normal option, right? I can just say, no, Harper, absolutely not. You cannot be sitting on a computer at the table when I have served dinner. Close the computer and join us. Then probably I would have to like physically close the computer and take it away from her. And then she would cry and sulk like all through dinner and just like ruin dinner for everyone. And she tells me how mean I was and then she'll be a pain in the ass all night or right option two, I can give in and sit at the table eating this dinner I made for everyone while watching her ignore us all and play a video game. But then at least when she finally finishes the video game in a couple of minutes or whenever she will be like pleasant to everyone This was frustrating because both choices were fails, really, just of different degrees. So anyways, I chose B because I didn't want to get in a giant fight. And so then I like sat there eating shit. I mean, eating my food that I made, but also eating shit. It felt like just stewing for the next five minutes while she like taps away at her computer. And finally, she says like, oh, we've reached the next level and everyone's renewed or something. And I'm like, Okay, does that mean you can close the computer and join us at dinner? And instantly she is like, well, you don't have to be so mean about it. And then she like slams the computer (laughs) shut and then she's angry at me through dinner. Anyways, so I ruined dinner and also I failed to get my kid to act like a civilized human being at the dinner table. The only thing I did right at that moment was that. At that point, I just took it and I didn't like continue the argument. I said, let's talk about this later. 
Harper because it would have been way worse for me to just dig in. But this was like the one millionth time with her that I wanted to be like, Harper, if you don't want me to be mad at you, do the thing I asked you to do. Like, that is the no-fail method for you not to feel upset because I'm angry at you. But so anyways, my fail is that I felt totally backed into this no-win situation. And needless to say, I lost this no-win situation. And I'm still not, like, doing a great job at navigating this, like, stubbornness that Harper gets when her plans are not met with the facts of reality. And my stubbornness when my plans are not met with the facts of her reality. And we are like at loggerheads about this a lot. So that was a very, very frustrating dinner though. Delicious, but frustrating. I've definitely been in the same spot, and I agree with you that it's just like a lose lose. And I always feel like it's usually Oliver who just wants to like finish playing or doing whatever he's doing. But I understand because I also really hate it. Like if Jeff tells me to come or that it's time to go somewhere and I'm working on something, it's like, I also need to finish this. And so I, I understand the need to like give them some space to finish what they're doing. Cause it is really annoying, but I agree with you. It's like, there's no win. Cause they always take advantage of me saying that, you know, they can keep playing. I think if she had not been at the at literal dinner table, I wouldn't have been so angry about it. But we all Could had to you have sit asked there. Her the move, like, okay, you can keep playing, but you can't play at the table. Yeah, that probably would have been smarter. That's a great thing I should have done. <laughs> that past probably would have. <laughs> yeah, it's really easy to think of that since we're not at the table. Yeah. <laughs> Next time. Probably she would have been so annoyed by that. She just would have been like, oh, yeah. fine, and slammed the <laughs> computer close. The and then been mad at you all. Yeah, there. well, but probably less so. What did her face look like while she was typing? I'd just like to see the performance of like. She couldn't have been less interested in me or how obviously angry I was. She was just on the computer, staring directly at it. The rest of the universe was gone. And then when I talked to her and she closed the computer, that was when she was like, oh, I bet he's been mad at me the whole time. That's so unfair. Anyways, at some point I'm going to have to figure out like how to navigate these tete-a-tetes with Harper because we both do a terrible job of them, but she is a child and I'm an adult. So yeah. I got to figure out a better route. I don't know. Cause like I said, it's so you can really empathize with both sides. Yes. Although to be fair, if Jeff was like, Hey, in 20 minutes we're having dinner. So make sure you finish up what you're doing. Yes. I and would then be 20 done. minutes yeah. later <laughs> you were like, Oh, I'm still, I need to finish my video game. No, and I mean, if my kid said that to me, I would just take the iPad. <laughs> yeah. But then you got to deal with their shit forever. Oh, my God. That's it. I'm uh, retired. I'm done with it. <laughs> you know what? Play. What if she just could play the video game and then when she returned, there was no food? That's old school. All right. <laughs> Maybe I'll try that next time. I mean, the answer is that she would be like, where's my food? <laughs> Yeah, and then she'd be mad at you for right. that. But I think I think you just have to accept that part. Yeah. Like you're going to be mad, and she's going right. To be mad I think no if I'd what. understood that there was no way she wasn't going to be mad at me, I would have just done it. I would have just like done something more disciplinary yeah. or stern. But I like tried to weasel out of it this one time. <laughs> Maybe you just caught. You should be like at this moment. I now recognize that going forward, we're both about to be mad at each other. Yeah. <laughs> so I might as well just choose the outcome I want. There's Harper. There's five minutes left in our game with each other. This game yeah. that we both lose. Exactly. <laughs> oh gosh.
Okay, Jamila, how about you? Triumph or fail? So I have a triumph. Well, it's a triumph pending. I think it's an, an actual triumph. I mentioned previously, I think, that we were watching the series Living Single from the beginning and that we had begun playing Living Single Barbie games. And so on Thursday evening, we are going to do a live episode of Living Single with Barbies on Instagram. <laughs> Yay! Wow. And who knows how it's going to go, but no matter what, it will be entertaining. And maybe this is the outlet you were looking for from last week. Yes. You know, Naima's a filmmaker. Have you cleared this with the Fox network? I have not. (laughs) Are you doing this under the radar? Doing this under the radar, except for I made a flyer and put it on Instagram, but I did not use the logo. So if any of our listeners are copyright lawyers, maybe just expect a call from us at some point. (laughs) We may need your help, but I think it's, (laughs) I think it's going to be big fun. And we're going to pin um, a link to the IG live for folks to make donations to a bail fund. And if three people watch those three people are in for the night of their lives, I think it's going to be super (laughs) duper fun. So we'll have an update for you next week. Are you playing a particular character? I assume you're playing multiple characters. Yes. I am Maxine Overton mm-hmm. and Kyle. Mm-hmm. Naima is Khadija, Regine, and Sinclair. She got like the big roles. She got the big roles. She well, yeah, I got right. I had to be I have to be all the boys, which I'm not right. surprised by. Um right. I, Maxine is like perhaps my favorite character. I kind of love them all, so it worked out that way because I claimed Maxine yeah. first. So. Yeah, yeah, Maxine is good, but she, but she does get to be Khadija. Yeah, she gets to be Khadija. Yeah. That was the ones, you know, like I might have wanted to be Khadija, but it's cool. <laughs> um, that's an important character. I love it. Should we expect a scripted or more um, like improv in nature? It's improv. We've chosen an episode to recreate, okay. so there will be, you know, we're we're being guided by some plot line. There's yeah. plot line. <laughs> I guess my ultimate triumph is that in the 2000s and the 2010s or beginning in the 2010s and now going in, in 2020, I have raised a 90s kid. So my child you loves, really have. She loves Bobby Brown, New Edition. She loves Living Single and Queen Latifah. Like her favorite song right now is Fly Girl by Queen Latifah, which came out in 1993 when I was like a year older than Naima is now. It's awesome. Hopefully, unlike actual 90s kids, she will not eventually graduate to like boy bands. Well, she started with boy bands, so we don't know. Oh, like, sorry. She will not, oh, like, she will to not like, graduate to, like, Backstreet Boys yeah, in sync at 98 Degrees. Hopefully not. I went from, like, my new edition boy bands to rap music, so we'll see right. which rapper we deem, you know, appropriate and safe for her to listen to. It's not going to. Yes. You're moving her in the right direction. I'm, I'm delighted to see. Yeah, Good you. work. I love that triumph. Thank you. Tune in tonight to Living Single, but with Barbie Dolls a mini Mila production uh, will be on my IG page at Jamila Lemieux live tonight, Thursday, July 2nd at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. Write it down, folks. Should be big, big fun. Okay, I'm excited. I'll be there. All right. What about you, Elizabeth? Trying for fail. I have a fail. So we use this video game for math called Prodigy. It's very popular in the homeschooling world. It's kind of like a mix of Pokemon and a wizard quest and there's like animals and they evolve. Anyway, it was perfect for Henry who's eight. He like loves it. And it's, it's nice because he can go do prodigy on his own. And then it sends me little reports about what he's doing. So it's like a nice activity to put him on so that I have time with the other ones. Well, 
Oliver has been like dying to do Prodigy, but you need to be able to read and you need to like have a certain level of math. I think the first level is like first grade. And so he's finally gotten to that point. And so I signed him up for an account and the initial accounts are free to get more stuff. There's some kind of paid account, but he's doing the little free account. And now it is literally all he wants to talk about. I mean, he also wants to play it all the time, but it's like, no matter what I ask him, this is all he wants to talk about. I know nothing about this game. Like I put my trust in this like homeschool co-op where I learned about this. And I was like, okay, this sounds like something Henry can do. I check the parent portal where I find out what kind of math he's doing. I know nothing about these animals. I don't know why they evolve or how they evolve. I don't know how to find these crystals. Oliver will not ask his brother. He only will ask me. And no matter how many times I say, I don't know, I don't want to talk about this. He doesn't care. He just, any question you ask him at dinner, it is about this stupid game. (laughs) I'm so over it. (laughs) I just don't want to talk about it. So I did tell him that he could have like one dinner a week to present everything. (laughs) (laughs) It so far has worked because every time it comes up, I'm like, we marked it on the calendar. And I was like, this is the day. But that is looming. How many Xanaxes are you going to pop yeah, before I that mean, dinner arrives? I don't know. I'm de- I mean, definitely I'm going to pre-drink uh-huh. and Same. just ho- hope that I guess his brother is engaged. But I, you guys, it's terrible. See, this is when being a pot mom would come in handy because yeah. like you would be so into it by the end. You'd be like, oh, my God, I just want you to do this every day. This is the best presentation i've ever seen in my life you will love it so much tell me more about these animals (laughs) i mean this is a time-honored problem with kids when they get all wrapped up in some bullshit that you couldn't care less about and for us there are these the series of books about fairies by a quote-unquote author named daisy meadows and there were hundreds of them and every book was exactly the same it was like if you just took one of the books and then replaced the names in it yeah and the adjectives they'd be the same as all the other books and lyra would spend hours telling us about these books and i mean to me the solution has always just been like a lot of vacant stares and uh uh-huh uh-huh hmm yeah oh that's but he asked me he's like where is the dark crystal (laughs) i'm like i don't know i mean can't you just be like oh that's a great question where do you think the dark crystal is that is true that is what i should do just that but that will just lead to more conversation right i know but that's when you put your headphones in and let him let go yes i do i mean i should just employ my own listen to a podcast while having this discussion (laughs) but guys it's of my own making i think those are the things that really get me is like i introduced this game to him and i should have known that this would happen. Right. You're anyway. hoist on your own petard, as are we all I as am. parents so often. This is why you have to introduce them to your favorite group from the 90s so That's that you right. can you enjoy the obsession. This right. Yes. yes. Like, yes. So we're in it together. It's like, finally, I have somebody to talk about this with. You get to reenact something you enjoyed. Me, I'm stuck in some world of evolving animals. So anyways, on Elizabeth's Instagram Live on Thursday night, she'll be doing a live production <laughs> of this math game. Do not do Check it out, everyone. <laughs> unfollow no (laughs) all right before we move on let's do the business sign up for slate's parenting newsletter it's the best place to be notified about all of our parenting content including care and feeding which features even more wise advice from jamila mom and dad are fighting and much more plus it's a fun personal email from dan directly to your inbox so sign up at slate.com slash parenting email 
while you're at it, check us out on Facebook. It's a really active, moderated community filled with people giving and receiving parenting advice. Just search for Slate Parenting. You can also find our live Karen Feeding shows on Facebook. Each Tuesday at 11 Eastern, Nicole Cliff is answering your questions. If you can't catch it live, you can find all previous episodes on Slate's YouTube page. In Slate Plus today, after months of being cooped up inside, we finally have some good weather and it's time to get crafty. We'll be discussing some fun, easy outdoor DIYs for you and your family to try this summer. Here's a quick sneak peek of what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus. The amateurs have spoken. Elizabeth, no. what do you have to say? I'm, I made a really yes. long list. <laughs> I was like, how can, how can I pare this down? But no, I think any kind of water play um, is definitely fun. And that can be anything from just like your sprinkler hooked up to if you're anything like us, we had a bunch of PVC lying around and uh, just kind of, <laughs> you guys, the whole episode is going to be like this, okay? <laughs> the stuff lying around our house is absurd. To hear segments like that and to get ad-free podcasts, sign up for Slate Plus. It's just $35 for your first year. It's a great way to support all of your favorite Slate podcasts, and you won't hit a paywall on the site, so you can keep up with all of Slate's journalism. So if you'd like to support Mom and Dad Are Fighting, go to slate.com slash plus and join Slate Plus today. Finally, we are working on a few special back-to-school episodes, so please send all of your school-related questions to momanddad at slate.com. Let's move on to our first listener question. Hey, y'all, here's a puzzler for you. My clever three-year-old readily grasped that drinking water makes you pee, but has sharply constricted the timeline. He thinks it goes through him immediately, meaning any time he drinks even the smallest sip of water, it's an immediate rush to the potty or the nearest tree. It also means if he doesn't want to pee, he refuses to drink water for hours during the day. And then he wants to drink a ton before bed, meaning he is up and out of bed six times to pee a drop. He is also squeezing so hard just to get a teeny bit of pee out that yesterday he uh, pooped on the floor. Any thoughts on how to reverse engineer his knowledge so that he remembers he can drink a cup of water and pee an hour or two later? Oh, man. Letter writer, I'm sure that you are in agony right now, but honest to God, this is the funniest (laughs) thing I've heard in a long, long time. This is impeccable kid logic. Like a kid has worked out the answer to life, to some problem that has boggled scientists forever. He has figured out how things work and he will not be dissuaded from his knowledge of how things work. And as a result, your life is hell. So, I mean, this is something that many, many parents face over and over again. Not this particular problem, but problems like this in which your kid believes they understand it all and you have to convince them somehow that, in fact, their understanding is completely nonsensical. So I'm tempted to suggest that you could say something like, I mean, kid, you know that when you eat food, you don't poop right away. Right. But the result of that probably would be your kid like eating a single goldfish cracker and immediately sitting on the toilet for like an hour. So your goal in this conversation, which I confess is like tricky, it's stumping me a little bit with a three year old who's not exactly like a master of logic quite yet, is to get him to make the connection between the feeling of a full bladder and the result of going to the potty. And in that way, it's not really that different from the kinds of of connections you were asking him to make a year ago or two years ago or whenever you underwent potty training the first time. 
So, I mean, my first and maybe the easiest solution, though it might be frustrating to you as someone who thought you were done with all this shit, <laughs> is to just go back to like the old sticker and reward system, whatever system you used with potty training, which probably there's some like residual memory of this in your kid's mind, but instead use it to slowly expand the window between drinking and peeing, right? Like you start at, okay, <laughs> if you drink water and then wait 15 minutes to pee, you get a sticker today and tomorrow it's 20 minutes and the next day it's 25 minutes. And that's like a truly annoying process, but it's a process that's likely to work probably because it worked the first time when you had to toilet train the first time. But I'm very curious what you guys think, what might be some other techniques that this parent can use to solve this problem. So first of all, I'm 12 because I can't stop giggling every time I think about <laughs> And it reminds me of the time that I was watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood and they went to Trolleyland and I had to poop and I had to choose between going to the bathroom and missing Trolleyland or just pooping on the floor real quick, washing it and cleaning it up. So that's exactly what I'm envisioning right now. So thank you for bringing back one of my funniest, grossest childhood memories again. Love that story. I'm imagining your son thinking of himself as like a water gun or something, you know, like what the water goes in and the water must come right out. And I wonder if he's developed some sort of anxiety or, or just the thought that he doesn't want the water to stay inside, you know, and, and maybe there's a reason behind that. Perhaps you should talk to him about the fact that water is supposed to stay in, that it's important that you keep it in for it to do its job. Like maybe talking about the role that water plays in the body could be a fascinating way to have him fixate otherwise on the process <laughs> of what happens when you have a beverage uh, as opposed to being focused on the elimination part and maybe making him feel, you know, you could imply that it's not good for him for the water to get out too quickly, that it needs to stay. That also that's not the water that you just drank. That's the water that you had to squeeze out of your body that was trying to do its job from three hours ago, which is why a little bit of poop came out. But yeah, I think maybe this would be a time for some science learning, just an exploration of what does water do? Why do we have it inside of ourselves? And hopefully being more familiar with the job of water will help him to value it and not want to eliminate it so quickly. What do you think, Elizabeth? You guys are all so nice to this three-year-old. And I think this parent is getting... We're, fur <laughs> we're further removed yeah. from... Okay, yes, yeah. my answer is 100% <laughs> colored by my experience with Teddy, the virus, okay? <laughs> I think you're being played by your three-year-olds. I mean, I, I believe that he <laughs> believes this, but I believe that he finds much amusement in believing this and that as a result of this belief, you are rushing him to the bathroom. He gets to get up out of bed. Like these are all things that gets what all three-year-olds want, which is to terrorize you and get your attention. So... It is a little <laughs> suspicious that the only yes. time he drinks a lot of water is right before bed. That is so again, a very good point. You might be parenting a very sweet three-year-old coming from a mom of a feral three-year-old. Um, my child would do this completely to get attention or because other people thought this was like hysterical. And every time he drank the water and ran to the bathroom, his brothers laughed and we laughed and thought it was funny. That would produce this behavior over and over. So I think actually all the suggestions you guys gave are great and probably very practical. I would probably just ignore it, like not assist with bathroom breaks that happen right after drinking water. And yes, maybe you're going to lead to some small accidents, but that to me would be preferable than 
like water bathroom, water bathroom. Uh, if he's going outside, you can also just be like, okay, well, we just drink water outside. And now you can help yourself to being I mean, I feel like just the less attention you give to it, the less that this will continue to happen at night, to me is like the kind of the bigger issue, because maybe during the day, it's not a big deal. But I would just really limit liquids at night, like just set up a rule that we don't have any, you know, liquids after whatever time, um, or maybe just one little cup, you know, right before bed or something like that. Uh, and then go to the bathroom as part of your nightly routine. Basically, at night, we have what we use is like a hall pass system. So they each have two passes. And that's two things they can come out of their room for it doesn't always work. But it does give us kind of a leg of like, well, you've used your two passes, go back to bed, whatever the problem is, you shouldn't have used your pass. That works pretty well and puts just the you know, shut down on a lot of the post bed shenanigans. But I, in my heart, believe that this this three year old is running things. <laughs> I, I I bet you're right. You are probably right, <laughs> and we were so easily fooled by it too. I know. It's been so long since I've since I've had to deal with a with a manipulative. That's why they're so cute. Because <laughs> I know <laughs> that's why. Ah. <sighs> Uh, this question came in on the Facebook page and one person did have a very fun response, which I have no idea how practical it would be, but their suggestion was have him eat some asparagus <laughs> and then wait, wait three yeah. hours, then pee and be like, look, when you put something in your body, the results happen later, not right away. I think you should definitely try that too. I'm all for science. Yeah. Wait, what does asparagus do? What makes your pee smell? Does it? Does asparagus not make your pee smell? It's a genetic reaction in many people, but not all <laughs> no. people. I'll admit, it's something I eat pretty infrequently. It's not my favorite veggie. I like it. Naima likes it, but oh, now I have to hmm. report back. I'm, right now, I'm feverishly <laughs> Googling asparagus smell black people just to make sure it's not. It could be something not, that we've been saved that's from right. melanin. It has a genetic basis, but it crosses races, according to the internet. Okay. So eat some asparagus and report back. Yeah, this is definitely something say, I want to hear about next maybe week. Maybe all the seasoning that we use in our food just kind of <laughs> that covers up. <laughs> that's right. White people's pee smells because there's no flavor in oh, the asparagus. Yeah, yes, asparagus. that's why. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Ours yeah. just smells like garlic powder. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's much more pleasant. Well, I think we've we've solved this problem and so many others. <laughs> absolutely segment all right well thank you so much for your question if you have a family conundrum you'd like us to weigh in on send it to mom and dad at slate.com on to our second question it's actually a follow-up from a question answered on the show last october dear mom and dad back in october i wrote to ask for advice about my 12 year old daughter who likes to present with masculine clothes and hair but seemed to get upset when people thought she was a boy in february he came out to us as a trans boy with a new name From the minute he told us, we have been supportive, and I successfully fought to get him a medical appointment to receive puberty blockers during the pandemic. We are very happy to call him by his new name and use masculine pronouns, although we do slip up from time to time. He seems confident and happy to be out to us as his true self, but he has little to no motivation to come out to family, friends, school, sports, etc. He is currently out to only a small subset of family members. The quarantine has also provided a cocoon of sorts, I think making it easier for him not to come out. This has resulted in a lot of confusion. If he is on a Zoom call with school, for example, we can't use his new name anywhere in the house. But if he is not on a call, he gets very angry if we use his old name. We are so proud of him, and I just want him to be out to everyone so we can move forward. 
He is working with a therapist and they are reportedly working on this goal. But whenever I ask my son if he wants to tell so-and-so, he gets irate with me for being pushy. I feel like I can't win here. Should I be encouraging him to come out? If so, how can I do it in a more effective manner? Well-meaning, but possibly pushy mom. Here with us now to help advise this mom is Slate's Evan Urquhart. If you've commented on a Slate article, you're familiar with Evan's work. Welcome, Evan. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Evan, you've covered a lot of issues that affect trans people for Slate's Outward section. You've even written about how your relationship with your parents fluctuated as you experienced gender dysphoria and came out to them as a transgender man. We'll include the link to the piece in the show notes, but what advice do you have for this mom? Yeah, so, you know, the thing that this had me thinking of is just how awkward early transition is. And, you know, I came out in my 30s, and this kid is is 12. (laughs) So me coming out in my 30s, I really didn't want to change my name or my pronouns until I was passing as a male kind of to strangers. And ultimately, I, you know, kind of stayed closeted and was only out to people who were really close to me for about a year. And then kind of felt some social pressure and finally did come out a little before I was fully ready. So, you know, it's very normal to feel really embarrassed about this stuff as a trans person. And I would encourage the mom not to push the kid to come out before he's ready and just to understand that, you know, he's 12, he's transitioning, it's an awkward time, and in time he will come out and he'll be ready and it will be fine. But I would also say it is completely okay to be really upfront with the kid that switching names and pronouns all the time is going to be hard and you might make a mistake and it might out the kid and that's okay too. Um, The kid has to understand that he's living in a real world with people who make mistakes and, you know, no one, you know, all 12 year olds are angry at their parents all the time, or if they not, they will be when they're 13. So, you know, don't worry that the kid is irate with you all the time. That's just normal teenage stuff. Don't worry if you mess up a little, it's totally normal and okay. But I would say don't, don't push the kid to come out to change names and pronouns before they're ready. I think it's great advice to view that the irateness that gets expressed at moments like that, not as like some kind of special punishment for you, the mom, mm-hmm. but instead as just an aspect of of extremely normal 12-year-old irateness that happens to be manifesting about this particular issue, but is also going to be manifested at you about a lot of other issues over the next couple of years. That's really helpful. And thinking of this as a process that even for a 30-year-old or a 40-year-old or a 50-year-old, can be a kind of drawn-out stretch in a person's life is really useful. I think that this mom is doing all the right things and is so eager for what she imagines the next part of all their lives to be, the part where she feels like she gets it right all the time, where she knows that her son is comfortable all the time, that she's skipping past, as we all so often do, the difficult part. And this is a great example of a time where you probably can't. You can't skip past the difficult part. You just have to sort of suck it up and deal with it. Absolutely. Evan, are there any suggestions that you would make uh, for this mom in terms of resources that she could get for her son or maybe, you know, some support in terms of talking to somebody who's had these experiences Um, because she's trying to navigate something that she herself has not experienced. And I'm sure she wouldn't want to in earnest and with the best of intentions, make this process uh, more challenging for her son. 
So I would always recommend PFLAG. That's the, you know, supportive organization for parents of LGBTQ kids. They are excellent. And that would just be my first go-to. And they would probably also, her local PFLAG or national PFLAG would have a lot of other resources she could lead to as well. Yeah, I was thinking she mentioned her son's in therapy, but I actually really think that maybe therapy should be something like she should go to as well, because this is not her journey. It's her son's journey. And although, you know, that has impacts on her journey. And I think so often, like when your children do things that were unexpected, and Dan, like you said, like departing that path, and like, she wants to get to the part where it's all fine, and, and we're moving forward, but navigating that she needs some guidance too. like, she talks about that her child, like her son is getting the guidance. But I think it's okay for her to be confused in this too, or figuring out what her role is. And the best person for that is not her son. You know, she needs to be talking to someone who can give her guidance on how to continue to be a parent, which I do think is to guide her son on coming out and being able to feel comfortable in coming out. But since, I mean, Jamila, you said this, and she doesn't know what those steps are, how that feels. It's like she needs someone in her corner too, coaching her on how to be supportive. Um, And Evan, I really love what you said, like to just be honest with her son too, and say like, we're trying, but it's, it's hard what you're asking us to do. And I'm really trying to understand, you know, where you want us to do what, but that's a difficult task. And I would imagine that like the honesty is a big part of this, like to go through this together, like just being honest and hopefully her son being honest with her. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you have to give yourself permission to make mistakes and you have to always be challenging yourself to make fewer mistakes. We had a non-binary foster uh, teenager for a while and I did really well with the they, them pronouns, but I did not get them right every single time and I'm transgender Mm -hmm. myself. So you have to, it's not about giving yourself permission, oh, everyone messes up, so I'm not going to try, but it is about don't overly beat yourself up if you make a mistake, just you know, move on, apologize if it's, you know, necessary briefly, and then just keep trying to do your best. Are there other ways this mom could be supporting her son during this time? I think the one other thing I noticed is from this letter, and especially the first letter, is that her son is really a shy guy. And, you know, my wife is very shy. And, you know, it's really sometimes been a challenge for me to learn that, you know, as someone who's kind of very talkative and outgoing, Sometimes you just have to let someone who's shy be quiet and take a little more time on something. And just you have to learn to shut up and give them room to, you know, to when they're ready to start to dip in and start to come out of their shell. And that it can be it can be really counterproductive to try and say things for them or, you know, um, step into situations and make it more comfortable for them because they just need a little extra time. I mean, it's worth noting that this mom, you know, her sign off was you know, maybe I'm a pushy mom. In my experience, any parent who thinks they might be pushy is definitely really pushy. <laughs> and that can be a real benefit as a parent sometimes. There are certain things in life where it helps you to have a pushy parent. But this is a case, it seems very clear to me, where the best thing for your son is to put away that part of yourself for a little while. And as Evan says, let him make his slower, shyer way along this path uh, instead of the way that you would do it if you were doing it because you're not doing it. Absolutely. Evan, I watched the documentary Disclosure the other night on Netflix, which is, 
I hope I'm not incorrect in wanting for all cis people to sit with it and watch it, even those of us who may think of themselves as being allies or informed or, you know, um, having some basic understanding of what sort of horrible images that trans folks have been subjected to of themselves in the media throughout history, particularly, you know, prior to these last few years where you're starting to see positive representations of trans folks just simply living life on TV and being fully realized and dynamic human beings as opposed to, you know, some sort of tragic storyline on a CSI type show. But it, it broke my heart, even though I was, you know, familiar with so much of the content that was talked about. And a lot of it was, you know, from when I was a kid and things that I just wouldn't have seen, like the crying game. You know, um, I had no idea. I'm like, that's the secret of the crying game? Like transphobia? Like, I thought it was something really fascinating and interesting. And, you know, it's just this really vile moment in cinema that has been repeated over and over again. So I was thinking for a trans child, what would be some good representations or some books and movies that you would say, you know, allow your child to see this, like this is somewhere where they can go and feel affirmed and, you know, see themselves. So I would absolutely second everyone watching the Disclosure documentary. It is so good. I watched it this weekend. Evan, I also really want to hear your media recommendations. One that I can throw in there are a couple of different books by a really great middle grade and young adult author named Kaysen Callender. They're just a very, very good novelist. They won a Stonewall uh, Honor Award for a book of theirs, Hurricane Child, that came out a couple of years ago, which is a middle grade reader. But then there's also a brand new young adult novel called Felix Ever After, which deals with gender in, I think, a really innovative way for a young adult novel. I don't want to spoil too much of it, but it's a very, very good book. Uh, again, the author's name is Kaysen Callender. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, you know, the one thing I can think of is all our kids have always been obsessed with YouTube. And so we often put ContraPoints, who is the transgender YouTuber, on because they like to cast YouTube videos onto our TV. And so we'll kind of trade. And so I'll try to get in some of those uh, trans YouTube creators into the mix, especially like some of the positive ones and kind of help our kids to you know, see positive reflections of themselves in the kind of media that they're consuming. We'll post some links to those on the show page. Thanks, Evan, so much. Thank you for joining us, Evan. Oh, thank you so much. That was great. I had a great time. Okay, good luck, and thank you for the follow-up question. Listeners, if you have something you'd like to hear on the show, email us at slate.com. All right, the show isn't over yet. It's time for recommendations. Dan, what do you have for us? I have a great novel that I read on vacation the other week. Perfect vacation read. Also very good on contemporary motherhood. It's a novel by Emily Gould called Perfect Tunes. It's set in New York City, basically from the year 2000 to the present. And it follows a young musician as she almost realizes her dream and then is waylaid by parenthood and then sort of very slowly finds her way back to her artistic dream as the years go on. It's very funny. It's very sweet. It's very smart about what being a parent is like, especially a single parent. I really liked it a lot. It's a very good novel. It's out now. It's called Perfect Tunes by Emily Gould. Jamila, how about you? So I know a lot of folks are doing reading about issues related to race, perhaps folks that haven't done a lot of reading about race in the past. I have gone back to a classic text that I read very early in my feminist indoctrination that I would recommend that folks check out right now. I think it's 
an important read for these times, and it's Angela Davis's Women, Race, and Class. It is not an academic text. I'd say it's quite easy to read. It talks about the role of African-American women in the United States, dating back to slavery and just what the gender dynamics were on the plantation, the relationship between Black men and Black women, between Black women and white women and Black women and white men, and how we have continued to function in this society at the hands of both racism and sexism. So a lot of folks have heard the term intersectionality as coined by Kimberly Crenshaw in recent years. I think this is an important primer for folks that are just starting to understand what it means to live at the intersection of both gender inequity and racial disparity. So Women, Race, and Class by Angela Davis. Right. That's a great recommendation. I have a quick follow-up on a recommendation for one of my favorite YouTube fitness vloggers, Dance Fit by Ashley. I recommended her channel and she sent me a very nice message on Instagram yesterday saying that a number of you guys have like subscribed or been doing the videos and let her know that you came from Mom and Dad are Fighting. And she was so touched by that and, and just so incredibly sweet. So thank you for making my favorite YouTube fitness vlogger know that I exist. And she sent me a voice message. It made me feel so special. That's awesome. That's so great. I was like, oh Keep my it God, up, mom you. and dad are fighting listeners. Yeah. Follow all yeah. our recommendations. Yes, follow and let them know we sent you. It's very gratifying. That's so cool. Angela Davis wakes up to 100 emails. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, since I've been so mean to three-year-olds on this episode, I'm going to recommend something you can do with your three-year-old, which is a little game called Tiny Polka Dot. And it's actually good for three through eight. And it's a number kind of comprehension game. And it's something we use in homeschool, but something like the kids pull out when they want to play like on game night or anything too. And it's a just little box of cards. And some of them have numbers on them. Some of them have dots on them. And there's like 16 different games you can play with them. You can also make up all kinds of stuff. But the kids love it. It's a really fun way to get them to start recognizing numbers and playing with numbers. And I don't know, I'm always looking for things that like I feel like good about doing with the three year old that are like I'm teaching him something, but it's also fun. And there's some of the games like you're building a little number tree and they're semi challenging for adults too. some of the dots are not arranged, you know, in an easy to count way. So it's uh, kind of fun for you. But it's a really fun game. It's a deck of cards too. So when we are able to be out and about again, it's something that I would bring with me like to doctor's offices and things like that for for waiting, uh, or to play in the car. So it's called tiny polka dot number loving learning fun. <laughs> and that's good uh, all the way up probably to about age eight. And just confirming there are no cute characters for your kids to get obsessed Correct. about and to talk All about All they could endlessly. get obsessed about are numbers. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so that's our show. One more time, if you have a question, email us at slate.com or post to the Slate Facebook group. Just search for Slate Parenting. And maybe answer all three questions when you go to join. Because if you don't, I think you sit in purgatory like forever. So anyway, yeah. find us, answer the questions, then you get to join our fun group. Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson. For Jamila Lemieux and Dan Coyce, I'm Elizabeth Newcamp.